You're locked on the Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am indeed your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, if you enjoy this episode and want to catch up on previous episodes you may have missed or stay tuned for future episodes, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice. Subscribing is always free and keeps you up to date on the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis. On tonight's episode, I thought I'd talk about the uh, the game against the Montreal Canadiens, which is a very big deal for the Jets and the, the Habs, because the Jets are playing arguably one of the top teams in the Northern Division, but of course this team that they're playing is not the same as it was earlier in the season. In case you somehow missed it yesterday, Winnipeg is now facing a Montreal squad that is without the services of head coach Claude Julien. I think a lot of folks are probably caught a bit off guard by this. Personally, I felt like Julian has been there for long enough that if he did start to stumble, I would imagine that eventually in the next year or so, he was probably going to have his leash cut short. In many ways, I think Julian had the right approach to a team like Montreal, which is a little bit limited in terms of firepower and, you know, doesn't exactly have the world's greatest defense or goaltending. That team is definitely very good. And there's a fair bit of skill up and down the lineup, but I do kind of wonder long-term about some of the lack of of really high-end goal scoring. That's something that the team has occasionally struggled to replace, even though they brought in guys like DeFoley and Josh Anderson, both of whom have been quite good for this Habs team. You know, it's not quite enough to really get somebody like, you know, Patrick Laine. I I think that that's the kind of guy that they need. An elite finisher who can kind of get on the ends of some of these goal-scoring opportunities because, to be honest, Montreal is very good at getting in behind defenses and creating plenty of havoc below the goal lines or, you know, between the face-off circles with great crossing passing, really nice vision and distribution, and very fast puck movement. Montreal in general is just a very good team, so you don't really want to get caught with your pants down. And I was a little bit concerned that, you know, with the appointment of Dominic Ducharme, who is a, I guess, uh, considered a more new agey progressive coach from his, like, Team Canada days... I was a bit curious to know how the Jets would respond because the Habs over the past couple of weeks have have seen a little bit of a regression despite actually playing very good hockey under Julian. And traditionally, when it comes to teams that have really fast counters and very rapid puck movement and stuff, the Jets get a little bit lost. You know, the Habs traditionally have been a team that have given the Jets nightmares. It's not that Montreal is particularly unbeatable. We've seen them start losing games that they've had firm grips on previously over the past couple of weeks, but by the same token, the Jets aren't one of those teams that typically does well against this Montreal squad. Coming into tonight, I was very curious about how the Jets would handle things, and uh, with Tucker Pullman coming out from an upper body injury of some sort, which I hope it's not COVID-related or anything, uh, you know, of course, Sami Niku draws back in, and Bolu Morrissey is given the top pairing billing once again, which of course I, I didn't really care for. I thought that this decision was going to be a serious issue, and in a first period where the Jets actually played pretty decent hockey, immediately this pairing ended up costing the Jets a good deal. On one of the BOMO shifts, as I like to call them, unfortunately, there was like a, a bad line change with the Jets. And I think, I don't know if it was like a center or a winger cutting across the neutral zone, but, it, you know, the Jets skater was probably a little bit late to this assignment. And Alexander Romanov, who's been very good for uh, Montreal thus far in terms of his offensive prowess in passing and distribution, spied UL Armia uh, skating through the neutral zone. And normally in this situation, you wouldn't really think it'd be too much of an issue. What happened, though, was that Josh Morrissey is on the right side sitting deeper inside the uh, 
the defensive zone, and Nate Beaulieu, for some reason, had stepped up a lot further up towards his blue line, to the point where he was actually inside the neutral zone almost. And I think that, in in many respects, what he was trying to do was anticipate the puck carrier, which was Romanov, actually coming towards his side and stepping into him to seal off that board area and pinch. The problem with this whole sequence is that by the time Bolyu actually got there, Romanov was still like a good mile away. You know, he was on the other side of the neutral zone, which gave him plenty of passing time. And of course, he saw Yoel Armia splitting both Morrissey and Bolyu and hit the route very cleanly. And of course, Armia goes in on that and scores, which is kind of frustrating because because I felt like the Jets didn't really deserve to be down immediately. You know, I, I did think that Montreal got a couple of really good looks down low, but I felt like the Jets had also created some good opportunities. It was just that when they would have a really nice high-danger crossing pass, there was no one on the other end to receive it. And then Montreal comes back and hits you on a counter from like a really silly defensive mistake inside the neutral zone, which is just very frustrating. And then the Jets had another frustrating moment where Nikolai Ehlers is leading a neutral zone rush, and he turns around at the opposing blue line and passes it towards Paul Stastny, but the pass itself wasn't great, and it deflected off of like Paul Stastny's skate and ended up uh, creating a turnover, which the Habs then countered very quickly. I think Derek Forbort was probably inside the neutral zone to bring in a little bit of like offensive support from the back end. He got caught a bit high, which I'm not necessarily blaming on him. I think this is mostly just very poor fortune, and I, I don't know who actually hit the breakout pass from Montreal's blue line, but they got a great scene to create a two-on-one, and of course, it was Yol Armia again on the uh, receiving end of a really great pass on this two-on-one that victimized Neil Pionk and Forbort, and the, you know, just like that, the Jets are down 2 nothing. For what was ostensibly to me like a pretty okay first period, I, I thought that the scoreline was maybe a bit harsh, but also very fair. You know, if you're going to put Nate Beaulieu and Josh Morrissey out there, especially playing them a lot, I think uh, Beaulieu actually led Jets D in ice time. That's frankly just going to kill you. And I feel like, you know, the coaching staff gives too much trust to this pairing. You know, I've said a lot about Josh Morrissey struggling this season, but by the same token, the coaching staff is really exposing him by giving him somebody like Beaulieu to pair with. Josh needs to improve on things on his own, but it's a lot harder when he has to play with somebody like Nate, who's really struggling in his own right. You know, Bolu every single shift, is fumbling the puck, he's losing physical battles, he's making really sloppy passes and turnovers, he's just really struggling. And it's getting to the point where I feel like you basically have to press box, uh, you know, Bolu and bring in a rookie like, you know, Sami Niku or something to pair with Dylan DeMello, because Bolu is basically unplayable. You know, even in limited minutes, it would be a bit of an issue sometimes because they like to put him on the PK. I think the biggest concern with Nate is that just at all situations, he really can't handle these duties. There are times where he actually looks like he might genuinely struggle at the AHL level. And Winnipeg just doesn't really have the luxury of of messing around with defenders who are really struggling this much, especially on on simple plays, reads that most guys his size have to have, etc, etc. I feel bad because I feel like I'm being very harsh on Nate when I don't really think it's necessarily his fault. You know, he's, he's struggled individually, but the coaching staff is also putting him in a really bad situation and spot. If you know a guy isn't really a top-pairing defender and you're trying to balance the pairings, don't ask the guy who's probably like a 7th D on most teams to suddenly become a top-pairing player. He's not capable of that. And at this point, Bolu probably has to be really frustrated in his own performance. Unfortunately, it won't be the only time that I talk about this pairing tonight. There were some other moments where uh, Morrissey and Bolu both had some serious issues. But thankfully, in just a little bit, we'll talk about the second period, which I think a lot of Jets fans will be a lot more pleased with. Before then, though, I thought you should know a little bit about why Built Bar might become your protein bar of choice. For those of you who are longtime listeners of this podcast, by now you know that I'm personally a huge fan of Built Bar. If you've never had one, it's a protein bar that's more like a candy bar with a dark chocolate exterior and a soft, chewy interior. 
Of their 12 original flavors, I highly recommend checking out Raspberry and Mint Brownie. Those two are among my favorites, but if you can't decide and you want to sample all of them, be sure to check out their variety box, which includes all 12 original flavors, plus six brand new flavors. You did in fact hear me correctly, I said six brand new flavors, and they include Caramel Brownie, Cookies and Cream, Cherry Barcia, Lemon Almond Cheesecake, Carrot Cake, and Apple Almond Crisp. I've tried them all and they're great and delicious, but if I had to choose just one to recommend to you, I might suggest Lemon Almond Cheesecake first. You seriously can't go wrong with any of them though because they're all delicious and they're all great for you with most built Bars clocking in at around 200 calories or less between 14 and 19 grams of protein and 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. Built Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high in protein and high in fiber so they're great for keto diets as well as weight loss and weight maintenance programs. To place your order go to BuiltBar.com and when you're checking out be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON20 to receive 20% off your next order. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are talking about Montreal versus Winnipeg, including some takeaways from tonight's game. Before we go any further, though, I wanted to tell you a little bit about why you need to be subscribed to Locked On Today. We're covering everything you need to know about the Winnipeg Jets, but what about the rest of sports? Now the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski, and it's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your favorite shows. And speaking of things that are wonderful, it's time to talk about Winnipeg's second period against the Habs, which I felt overall was pretty darn good. Obviously, as with anything, the Jets are certainly not perfect, and they did give up a couple of scoring opportunities, one of which did see Nate Beaulieu again get a bit victimized on the penalty kill. Honestly, this goal was so bad that I actually kind of laughed when it happened. Uh, Beaulieu, for some reason, was trying to pivot towards the left and maybe try some pinch, but he was out in a flat open space, and when you make a pinch, you actually have to seal off somebody along the walls. In this case, I, I don't know if he was trying to pinch or make some sort of open eyes check, but he missed completely, and the skater just ended up blowing by him and walked in on a 2-on-1 to score, which was obviously very frustrating. But that was probably the worst moment of the period. From then on, the Jets basically went through some really smooth sailing, and I have to say, overall, I felt like the Jets responded very nicely to what was a not-so-great start with a couple of defensive errors. The first nice moment was around five minutes into the period. Uh, this was actually before Tatar's uh, power play goal on the bowl you sequence, but Kyle Connor actually got himself a power play goal as well, and this one was just a bit of, like, chaos around the net. Connor had attempted some really bad backhand pass across the slot area, which I really wasn't a fan of, but then he seemed to atone for it later by just sort of jamming the puck on a bit of a chaotic sequence. I think Price had to make a really fantastic save, and the puck ended up falling behind him, and he tried to corral it and, and basically sit on it, but unfortunately it just squirted out, and, you know, Kyle Connor tucks it home, and the Jets are right back in this 2-1. But then, of course, Tatar scores the power play goal, and I thought, well, I wonder how this is going to pan out, because it felt like the Jets were actually playing pretty well, and we know that this Habs team is a little bit vulnerable in that, so I, I felt to some degree that the Jets could actually pull this off with a few conditions. Now, of course, it, it does take a, a little bit of fortune and some really strong continued play, and I was wondering if the Jets would maybe be a bit deflated by conceding that third goal. Like anything, though, Winnipeg has occasionally found ways just to sort of dust itself off and get back on the horse like it did in this period, and Kyle Connor again scores his second goal of the game. I think this is the one that saw a really beautiful tic-tac-toe sequence, actually spearheaded by Sami Niku on the back end. Niku was inside, I think, the, the blue line of his own defensive zone, and spied Nikolai Ehlers on the right wing. He was on the left side of the zone, crossed diagonally to Ehlers on the right side in the neutral zone. Ehlers makes the zone entry, creates a really great tic-tac-toe sequence with uh, Paul Stastny and Kyle Connor. Kyle buries it. 
I mean, this is the stuff of Winnipeg Jets legend. When you want to see really good, fast breakouts and transition play and great uh, passing sequences and distribution from your, your best skaters, this is the kind of stuff that you expect. It was a great sequence. Niku really created it from the back end. And Kyle O'Connor, of course, isn't going to miss a second opportunity to score, so he adds a great brace and a really nice performance from him. Overall, that second line I felt was really great. Uh, Stastny, Ehlers, and Connor actually have really great chemistry. And whereas, like, Connor tends to struggle defensively in, and really make use of his line mates with, you know, Shifley and Wheeler at times, he really seems to do a lot better when he's with Ehlers and, and Stastny. Defensively, it's still the same issues, but generally speaking, inside the offensive zone, he seems to overlap better, he makes better rotations. Having two very smart players to help him work out where he needs to be inside the offensive zone really does help, and it definitely gets results. And then towards the end of the period, we ended up seeing Blake Wheeler score a bit of a greasy goal. This one seemed to deflect off of one of uh, Montreal skaters in front of the net. Pionk and Dubois were both credited with assists, and it's actually very deserved for both players. I feel like Dubois has started to fit alongside Wheeler and Shifley very well. That first line actually had a pretty strong game. And a lot of it really comes down to just how good Dubois is at sort of these net front power forward sort of drives and really stretching play very quickly. I think a lot of people look at Dubois' frame and think that he doesn't have, like, the sort of explosive first step that he really does. This dude, for some reason, is just capable of blowing by just about any defender in the league, and because he's got such a big, powerful, tanky, and strong frame, he can more or less shield anyone off the puck that he desires. I mean, he's super powerful, he's very fast, he's got very good hands in tight spaces, and, you know, he's been a really impactful player, and he's starting to really drive play alongside Shifley and Wheeler. This is just the second game that we've seen him alongside those two, so it's very cool to see these really strong early positive results after our first game where, like, he did have a three-point game, but, you know, that that first line still kind of got caved a bit, so you love to see it. That's all I can say is you love to see it. I felt like Pionk had an alright game. It was a bit tougher for him just because I think Forbort and Pionk were struggling at times a little bit, but they weren't too, too bad. The defensive pairing that definitely stuck out the most positively, though, was absolutely Dylan DeMello and Sami Niku. I'll have a, a couple more thoughts later in the show about what I think long-term for these two, but they were just doing it all in both the first and second period. I felt that their offensive zone activations were great. Defensively, they really weren't making too many poor passes. They were able to cleanly exit the defensive zone, and I felt like their linking plays to the, the forwards on the team were really great. I just, in general, loved the performance to the first two periods, and I was definitely hoping that at some point they might earn a point later in the game. I felt like they were both uh, two of the best defenders on the ice. And for like Niku's second or third game of the season, this is just a really dominant performance. We'll find out if this pairing and in fact the rest of the Jets ended up managing to keep performing at the level that they were earlier in the game. But before then, I wanted to tell you a little bit about why BetOnline.ag needs to be your one-stop shop for all your online betting needs. When it comes to online betting, it's hard to find a really convenient place that has all the sports you love, while also being safe and reliable. That's why BetOnline should be the only name you trust in the online betting business. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL are all in full swing. And if those sports aren't your cup of tea, they've also got all the sports you could imagine, including international soccer, tennis, and so much more. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV, featuring real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Whether you want to place a bet on who you think the next Stanley Cup champion is going to be, or who you think is getting voted off your favorite reality TV show, BetOnline's got you covered for all the news, scores, and odds you need as well, so you'll always be informed whenever you're placing your bets. Getting started is super easy. Just head on over to BetOnline.ag on your web browser or navigate using your mobile device, and when you sign up for a free account, be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your very first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. 
Hello, friends, and welcome to these closing moments of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. I thought I would give my final thoughts and verdict on Winnipeg's game against the Montreal Canadiens. Spoiler alert, they won 6-3. Now, the uh, the third period was actually pretty decent from the Jets. I feel like they basically just snuffed the uh, the Habs out. And even though Montreal did have a couple of really great chances late in the game, thankfully none of them ended up going in the back of the net, and the Jets actually pulled off a pretty nice victory. The game-winning goal came courtesy of uh, Nate Thompson. This time, for some reason, he was actually on the third line. I don't know if it was like a late shift or something, but he was out there with uh, Lowry and Appleton. And thanks to a nice little give-and-go behind the back of the net from uh, Appleton and Lowry, Thompson ended up finding himself on the right side a little bit uh, diagonally from Price, and for some reason, Price just didn't really seem to see the puck, and it ended up going right between his five-hole for a pretty nice finish. It's kind of fittingly ironic because, uh, you know, overall Thompson had a really rough night. His line kind of got pasted every time he was out there, and it's definitely something that's that's more on him than the rest of his line mates. I think his biggest issue is, like, compared to a guy like Matt Hendricks, who knew where he needed to be but just couldn't get his body there, Thompson oftentimes doesn't really know where he's supposed to be. And so when there's like a decent opportunity to create a transition breakout or create some sort of offensive scoring chance, he's just not really in the right position to do it. This time, though, we actually did score the game-winning goal, and again, it was a pretty nice finish. It actually earned him the Jets' uh, locker room helmet at the end of the game. So congrats to him. He probably won't be coming out of the lineup anytime soon, so you will have to get used to a fourth line that's probably going to struggle a little bit more. It is what it is. It feels like every NHL team has at least one veteran center who probably struggles a little bit more than he should. A couple minutes later, the Jets ended up getting a nice insurance goal courtesy of Pierre-Luc Dubois. There was a really great forechecking sequence from uh, Andrew Kopp, who had a really rough night overall. But he ended up forcing a nice turnover along the right sidewall, and then he passed it to Perot, who Perot, I thought, was going to take the shot in front of the net. Perot ended up tapping this really sick one-time pass laterally to Pierre-Luc Dubois. Now, this is actually a really hard shot to pull off because Dubois was almost parallel to the goal line in terms of his stick placement and somehow still managed to corral the puck and get it in one fell swoop, a really sharp angle shot, great goal, and I think he's got something like five points in four games. So overall, a really great start to uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois' hopefully very long Jets career. He seems like a really good fit for this team. I liked his uh, overtime game-winning goal the other night, not just because it was a game-winning goal uh, and ended up sealing the two points, but it was the sort of power-forward net drive that I think is a really big signature calling card of his particular style. He definitely likes to cut inside the fenders and really get that first step on you, and then just sort of bulldog his way to the net. The uh, last goal of the night was Mark Shifley, assisted by Blake Wheeler on an empty net, so, you know, not a whole lot to say there. I think Montreal basically just gave up. Not super surprising when you just fired your coach, and to be honest, you were probably feeling a a little bit demoralized after what was a a pretty thorough stomping from the Jets. I mean, like, I I think the expected goals battle was pretty even, and Montreal definitely had some really good chances, but I also think Winnipeg traded blow for blow with them, and actually, I I felt like the Jets could have scored more. Overall, from this performance, I was pretty pleased. I was satisfied with the even strength play. The, uh, the special teams looked very good. The power plays were all very crisp. A lot of great dangerous passes, a couple of nice goals. Um, so overall, I felt like the Jets did enough. I will say that there were a couple of things I would change. Bolu probably can't be on that first pairing anymore. I'm not even sure if Bolu really needs to be in the lineup, period, but I know that uh, Paul Maurice really thinks he's an excellent PKer and a physical presence. Unfortunately, he's not really either. He tends to lose a lot of those battles, and I, I feel like right now he's playing way too much, but Maurice sees him as like a really physical enforcer type, so I feel like he's going to remain a steadfast part of this lineup for the time being. I feel like he does need to be press-boxed in favor of a guy who came in and really impressed me, and that's Sami Niku. 
Nico and DeMello tonight really put in a great shift together. They were the best defensive pairing on the ice by a pretty healthy margin, and every time they were together and, and doing stuff, the Jets were just really getting positive play out of it. They could exit the zone mostly cleanly. A couple of uh, defensive zone exits that weren't so great, but overall I thought they were very good at it. You know, they transitioned the play up the ice. Nico, of course, sprung that one breakout that led to a, a really nice goal. Nico himself had another scoring chance. This one, I believe he was below the goal line behind the net and ended up getting a really nice wraparound shot of some sort. So I feel like in general, what we're seeing with the Jets, especially with a guy like Niku paired with DeMello, DeMello needs like a really good puck-moving, attacking-oriented skater. And Niku is most certainly that style of defender. You know, Sami will have his warts inside the defensive zone, but overall, he's going to be a lot more capable than what Bolu is bringing right now. And when Pullman gets healthy and gets back into the lineup, I would like to see something like Morrissey Pullman for Bort Pionk and Niku DeMello. Now, I would say that, uh, you know, I think you need to play Niku DeMello a lot more than like 12 even strength minutes a night, and hopefully they've proven that they can handle more than just a couple of deployments and shifts each night. I'd love to hear your thoughts about the game and what you thought about Winnipeg's overall performance or any standouts that you thought I should cover. Hit me with your hot takes and opinions at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets on Twitter. That will, however, do it for tonight's show. Before you log off, be sure to check out Locked on NHL. Every Wednesday on Locked On NHL, take a deep dive into the Western Conference with Sir Avampado of Locked On Kings and Tom Gazzola of Locked On Oilers. Whether it's a look at top-end contenders like Vegas and Colorado or breaking down the rebuilds of the Kings and Blackhawks, Locked On NHL has you covered on Western Conference Wednesdays. Subscribe to Locked On NHL wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And as always, thanks for listening, have a great night, and go Jets go!